I assure you this is not intimidating at all. Thank you for the privilege, Bishop. Thank you to the cathedral staff for sharing your pulpit. And thank you to all who've made the service uh, come together today. It's an incredible piece of work. Hear me? Oh, there I am. Okay. So we're not really fully in Lent anymore, right? But we're also not quite in the triduum yet. Jesus is no longer kind of doing the itinerant preacher wandering out around Galilee, but he also hasn't quite gotten to the, the inevitable drama yet either. I feel like we're a little bit trapped in the in-between right now. And generally, if you're like me, you're not a big fan of in-between. I've been a student of Brene Brown's for about five years now, and if you're playing homily bingo that went around on the internet, you're welcome for that. And in her newest book, Rising Strong, she talks about the in-between. She calls it the messy middle. She says our nature is to live and understand our lives through story, and that's usually broken into three parts. The beginning is our sort of learning about the, the people of the story, the plot line, who people are, what they're about, what's the setting, and then usually an inciting incident occurs that propels us into act two, this, this messy middle. And that inciting incident usually leads to challenge and struggle, uncertainty and discomfort, strained relationships, and generally unhappiness. And the protagonist struggles against all of these new things in every way possible so they don't have to incorporate this new reality into their lives. And finally, in the end, in part three, we come to acceptance, to some sort of reconciliation. We find our ways to a better truth that leads us in tomorrow, into tomorrow, no longer resisting. Funny enough... Brown discovered in her research that humans will do just about anything to get to Act 3, to get to a resolution of some kind as swiftly as possible. We're hardwired, she says, to resolve the stories that we live in, and we're even neurobiologically programmed to get a dopamine reward in our brains when we figure out the solution to the story. It doesn't matter if we resolve the story correctly or not. We don't care if the act three is true. We just get that reward anyway. And so our whole lives are desperately pushing us out of that messy middle and into resolution. Well, there's no way out of the messy middle that we're in right now except to go through it. Now, probably most of us here have been doing this whole Lenten Easter journey thing for a long time, so it's sometimes easy to forget just how messy it can be. I know I forget from time to time and the warp and woof of day-to-day life and planning liturgies and all of that, but there is very little that is comfortable about this time that we're in, these days that we're in. And if we go to the places that the scripture invite us today, we're asked to 
lay down what we know and what's to come and simply be in this place, in this messy middle, and see what God will do with us here. So we start with Paul, who declares to us that to those who are perishing, the message of the cross is foolishness, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, it's not that I don't think that the message about the cross is the power of God, not by any stretch of the imagination, but I also know that I wage a daily battle to stay focused on that power and to lay down the importance that I generally assign to the powers of the world. A need for influence, a need for control over my work or my home life or my children or my priesthood. Sneak in to every moment, every interaction. And those needs can rise up swiftly and without my conscious consent. And before I know it, I'm serving my ego's needs rather than my God's needs. So luckily then, I realize it, and I lay it down, and then 20 minutes later, it happens again. And I lay it down, and 20 minutes later, it happens again. And on and on and on. And so I am ever in between the perishing of this world and the restoring of myself to the power of God. And isn't so much of the ego's need, the the perishing, this desire to be wise, to be the proverbial scribe or debater. And I won't claim it entirely on our behalf, but I will go ahead and put myself out there a bit. I think Episcopalians may be a bit notorious for wanting to be considered wise, maybe a little bit. The whole church where you don't have to check your brain at the door thing is great, but maybe maybe it's a little too much of a pride point for us. Maybe. We, we like a little too much being our educated selves, and it can cause us to scoff sometimes at those who pursue a different path to Jesus. And so we get to ask the enormously uncomfortable question, what do we consider foolish in the world? And is God using that to shame us who consider ourselves wise? Ouch. And so Paul calls us to boast in the Lord. We don't boast something theological. We don't boast something sensical. We don't boast upon our knowledge. We boast in the foolishness of the message about the cross. This is our truth as Jesus' followers. A truth that shouldn't make sense, but that we somehow clumsily claim. The constant call to both do the work we're given to do and to make room for others who do the work differently than us is one of the messy middles that we're called to. Luckily, Jesus knows a thing or two about messy middles. The gospel today makes clear that Jesus vacillates too, that he's very much caught in between the fully divine part of himself and the fully human part of himself. And I find myself always captivated by the struggling Jesus. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. I'm here to do this. This very thing. 
Father, glorify your name. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. You get to be fully human in this in-between place too. Knowing what is to come and being troubled by it. Afraid of it. Sweating blood over it. No one no matter how divine, could look forward to what is to come for Jesus without trepidation and questioning. And if he hadn't, we could never claim him as fully human, could we? It is the nature of us to fear. We may become resolute and march forward as needed, but it doesn't mean that our knees aren't trembling while we march. And it is the same for our Jesus. With a troubled soul, he still commits to glorifying God's name. And so what does it all mean for us today, now, in our own messy middle between the Lenten journey and the Holy Week journey, in in our own messy middles of our own lives? We all know them. We live them all the time. The in-betweens that come in relationships where things are changing for good or ill, but you don't know yet what's on the other side. The in-betweens of vocation, in which perhaps a new calling is whispering to you, but you don't know yet if it's loud enough to listen to it. The in-betweens of forgiveness, where you've made an initial gesture, but you haven't yet found your ease again with that person. We all live in the messy middle all the time. And can we stay there without rushing through what that messy middle wants to teach us? Can we sit in it, trusting that God's foolishness is wiser than our wisdom? So we need to just shut up and be there. Can we stop ourselves from making up an ending simply to have the satisfaction of an ending and allow whatever's to be, to be. For those of us here as clergy and caregivers, we have a particular call to live in the middle, to walk in the middles with our people. We sit with people whose loved ones are between life and death. We walk with people as their relationships begin and change and end. We are quietly alongside people who just need a safe space to work out whatever in-between they are struggling with. Our calling is to simply be there, in the middle, in the uncertainty, in the discomfort, in the pains of it all. And we do it as representatives of God and God's church. It is a holy privilege It's also a holy challenge. We bring to every interaction we have both our willingness to stand there in those messy middles and we bring our own stories, our own messiness, our own fragility and sometimes pain. The in-between places can be places of darkness for us too, even as they are darkness for those in them. And Jesus acknowledges that darkness. He knows that it's real for us as it is for him. 
And so he invites us. Cling to me. Walk with me. I am light in the midst of darkness. I will be with you. I am with you. I will not let the darkness overcome you. So, I guess it makes good sense for us to come and renew our commitment at least annually to that sacred call to live in these middles, both in our own lives and alongside those in our lives, as clergy and lay people alike. We come to be reminded of our many callings as we slog through the messiness of of not being in that place of resolution yet. And we know if our slog is anything like Jesus's is remembered this week, then there's probably going to be pain. And we are right to be fearful of it. Parts of our lives will die. Other parts will be resurrected. Nothing stays the same. So in a sense, I say thank God. Thank God for this moment in our collective life as the church. In this terrible in-between for Jesus, here we are, reaffirming our commitment to live in the in-between too. Trusting that we're made for this and will be strengthened enough to remain here. Thank God that God's foolishness in creating us And God's foolishness in calling us is wiser than our own wisdom. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that pulls us out of our own perishing and back into life. That is the message of the cross. Even when we do have to be reminded of it a hundred times a day. And if you're anything like me, perhaps these renewals mean something a little bit different each year to you too. I'm now 10 years a priest. In the beginning, I was still getting comfortable in my priestly skin. As my priesthood has aged, so has my comfort level with being called to these places of in-between. And so I pray these renewal prayers differently each year that we say them. And dare I say, sometimes I pray them better and stronger, and sometimes that means I pray them a bit more fearfully as the call of my vocation becomes more clear and I understand even better how messy the middle can be. But I stand here alongside all of you, usually with my own knees knocking for my own ministry and self, but looking around and feeling immeasurable hope when I see all of you and the ministries that I know you enact I know that you are standing in those difficult, dark, in-between places with people, creating sacred spaces for those who need them, offering them light that will guide them through the darkness. And I truly believe that we do indeed, in a million little ways that usually feel pretty inadequate and paltry to us in the face of incredible need that exists in the world, I do believe that we do indeed glorify God's name in our churches, in our lives, and in this world. And so thank you. Thank you for your courage to stand in the in-between of it all. 
and may Act Three promise to us by a God who loves us. And that is coming. That is coming. Bless you richly. To God be the glory. Amen.